Right, if you've got your Bible, open it up to Ruth chapter 2. And we're going to have a look at that section 17 to 23, but we'll, uh, we'll back up into a little bit of the context as well. But let me give you a, a heading as you settle. Renewing your strength. Renewing your strength. Let's just uh, put that title back up there. There we go. Renewing your strength. Naomi was pretty weary, wasn't she? Remember Naomi? She was pretty bitter at God's sovereign strategy for her life. And you pick up that bitterness in chapter 1 and verse 13 where she says, It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And that bitterness continues in chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, when she returns to Bethlehem with Ruth and she says, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Lord Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full. The Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And you, you really feel that bitterness, don't you? She was a downcast soul, like the psalmist in Psalm 42, who lamented, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed? That, that was Naomi. She was downcast. She was somewhat disturbed. Naomi felt very much like Job in Job chapter 1. When Job, after his affliction, says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint, and I will speak out in the bitterness of my soul. Have you ever felt like Naomi? I'm sure that most of you, many of you have, perhaps even this morning, you feel a little bit like Naomi. At some level and some depth, as God's children, we often feel like Naomi. We're weary, we're tired, we're disappointed, we're discouraged at the life hand that God has given us. And so the question we've got to wrestle with this morning is that how do we as downcast children of God, when we're weary and down and disappointed and discouraged, how do we renew our strength? How do we renew our strength? And here's the answer in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. He says, but those who do what? Hope. When you hope, you renew your strength. Those who hope will renew their strength because then you will rise up again to fly like eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. In fact, it's the very same thing that the downcast soul in Psalm 42 says, Why, why my soul are you downcast? Why, oh my soul, are you so disturbed within me? And the answer in the very same verse is put your Hope in God. The, the psalmist speaks to his own soul and he says, Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. We renew our strength and we fight our bitterness with hope. 
And hope, it's a beautiful word, isn't it? When you have it, there's not much you can't face, even if the circumstances are dark. Hope. When you don't have it, when you seem to have no way out, there can be very tragic consequences. Many a person have taken their own lives because they don't have hope. Hope. The world sees oil, lithium, gold, and other precious metals as, 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 as precious and, and priceless. But, but in fact, it is hope. Hope is precious. Hope is priceless. What Naomi needed to do was to strengthen or, or to renew her strength by hope. And what I hope to show you this morning, excuse the pun, is how God renewed her strength by hope. Let's go to the first heading. Ruth's living hope. What a difference a day makes. There are some days that you can have where something happens that triggers long-lasting difficult changes where every day after that day seems to be a difficult groundhog day. For Naomi, it was the death of her husband. It was the death of her two sons that produced a destitution that triggered those long, hard, groundhog days. We know those days, don't we? It's the day that the phone rang to say. It's the day the phone rang or the day that the doctor said. It was the day that that letter arrived in the post to say. It was the day that terrible thing happened. But then there are those days or those events or those moments or those circumstances that trigger long-lasting changes where, where in fact you can, you can start to face every day with renewed hope and optimism even when the circumstances are tough. The day the phone rang with the good news to say. The day that the news came back from the doctor to say, well, okay, the day when the letter arrived to say, oh, the day that that wonderful thing happened. If you've got your Bible back up into Ruth's day in chapter 2 and verse 2, and take a look at it. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone who, whose eyes I found favor. Naomi says to her, go, my daughter, go. Now, I want you to notice that when the day starts, she is pretty hopeless, isn't she? She's hoping to find a field to glean. She's hoping to find enough food for herself and Naomi. Ruth heads out with no idea of where she's going, where, whose field she's going to find herself in, what sort of food that she's going to get. She is a woman in a man's world, and she is a foreigner at that. You've got your Bible, chapter 2, verse 6. It becomes clear that when Ruth gets to Boaz's field, she doesn't know that yet, but she literally begs the foreman to glean in his field. And she labors all morning, hard work, and she's now taking a short break, rest, under the shelter, verse 7. Ruth is, she starts the day out, she is poor, she is destitute, she is desperate. She's trying to make ends meet. 
ends me. The author really wants us to get ourselves into the shoes of Ruth and feel what she's going through. There was a couple of weeks ago now, maybe three, four weeks ago now, an elderly woman, 70 years old, walks into our church. She is homeless. She's living in the back of her car. She is battling cancer. She was seven weeks living in her car and counting Groundhog Day every day. Empathy is the ability to understand and feel the feelings of another. The one thing that Job's friends lacked was empathy. And I pray that we would be people that grow with a Christ-like empathy in the troubles of others. Got your Bible, look at chapter 2, verse 4. Boaz then arrives, verse 4. Notice her, verse 5, speaks to her. Verse 8 and 9, he starts to give her promises of, of protection and, and provision. In verse 14, he gives her a generous meal. And then in verse 9, verse 15, Boaz makes sure that his workers do not harm her, but he provides for her protection as well. What a day what a dif- what difference a day makes what a what a what a difference an encounter makes what what a difference acts of kindness can make suddenly everything has changed everything has changed for ruth i want you to look at it in verse 17 and 18 So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. She threshed the barley she had gathered. It amounted to about an epoch, which is about 20 kilos worth of grain. She carried it back to town. And her mother-in-law saw how much she gathered. And then Ruth brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Here's what I want you to see. The encounter with Boaz on this day changed everything for Ruth. She enters the afternoon session of gleaning and gathering with a renewed sense of vigor and energy. She has a living hope. With the promises that Boaz has given her of provision and protection, she has got a new hope for the future. She goes out in the morning in hopelessness. In the afternoon, she is laboring with protection and safety and provision. Because of what Boaz had done, because he had saved her from destitution, because he had protected her, her future is now bright. Her future is secure. She now has something of an anchor of hope that she never had before. In this one encounter, if you like, or this one day, everything is the same, but everything is different. She's in the same field after lunch, but everything is different. She's doing the same work, but she's doing the work in a different way. Her whole outlook on life has completely changed because of what Boaz has done for her, and she is yet to discover the great things that Boaz is still going to do for her. Ruth is living with a living hope. I wonder if you realize that the day that Jesus met us is the day that everything changed. Our relationship with Jesus changes everything. Take a look at it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The day that Jesus meets us, everything is the same, but everything is different. The night that Jesus came to meet me 31 years ago in a little church across the road from where we had just moved in, that night, everything was the same, but everything was different. I was in the same body. I lived in the same house. I went to the same job the next day. I had the same parents, but everything was different. Maybe I can put it like this. For Ruth... She worked in the same field after lunch, but her relationship with the field owner had changed. For me, like you, the day that Jesus met us, we still find ourselves in the same life field, but the relationship with the field owner has changed. When your relationship with the one who owns all the cattle on a thousand thousand hills, when your relationship with that owner changes everything, changes life, may be the same, but it's actually never the same. Suddenly your whole outlook on the world changes. I mean, we're still in the world, but we're not of the world. We still work in the world, but... We, the way we work changes. We still have the same relationships with people, but, but, but those relations, we, we look at those relationships and we look at people very, very different. You see, what's happened is Boaz has given Ruth a living hope where she can labor in his field with a confidence that she will be taken care of. And that is the hope that Jesus has given us. Let me give you this definition of hope. A confidence about your future that you never had before. That's your hope. You have a confidence about the future you never had before. The day that everything changed when Jesus met you. That's what Boaz gave Ruth. That's what Jesus gives us, but on a more, much bigger, profounder, eternal scale. From Ruth's living hope, we go to Ruth's abundant hope. Look at verse 17 and 18 again with me, and I want you to notice something wonderful. So she gleaned until evening. She threshed the barley she gathered. It amounted to an epah. She carried it back to town. Her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her from what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Ruth goes out in the morning empty with nothing. She returns home full, but in fact she returns home with a what? With an abundance. She gathered around about 20 kilos of of gleanings, of, of harvest, and she carries it back home. And Well, just as a little comment, I mean, it was 20 kilos and she carried it back home. She must have been a pretty strong woman, hey? Maybe she is a Proverbs 31 woman after all. But notice the provision. It wasn't just enough, it was more than enough. 
You see, 20 kilos or so, that probably would have provided somewhere between two to three weeks of grain and stuff. That would have been baked into bread and various sorts of things. I hope you're starting to see the dot, the dots. Back in the Bible, chapter 1, verse 1 of Ruth, there is a famine in Bethlehem. Notice chapter 1, verse 22. It's the, the barley harvest, which is just starting as they return home. Look at chapter 1, verse 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 23, as it comes up. So Ruth stayed close to the woman of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. Ruth is working during a harvest, and she's reaping a harvest. She is experiencing the abundant goodness of Boaz. And here's the link. We reap an abundant harvest in the goodness of Jesus Christ. We reap an abundant harvest in the goodness of Christ. Ruth going out into the field with new vigor and energy in the afternoon is not about you busting your guts tomorrow morning to go to work so you work hard so you might get a promotion, you might get a, a bonus, you might get a raise. Because of Ruth's new relationship with the owner of the field, her future is secured and she is reaping an abundant harvest. Because of our relationship with Christ, our future is secured and we are going to reap an abundant harvest from His resurrection from the dead. Let me show you what I mean. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Here's a harvest word. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 1 Corinthians 15, 23, but each in turn Christ, the first fruits, then when He comes, those who belong to Him. Can you see it? The first fruit is the first part of a harvest. And here's the thing, because Jesus died and rose again, we are going to reap a harvest because of His resurrection from the dead. Because He's the first harvest. Because He is the first fruits. All those who belong to Him will reap what He has sown. Here's how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no mind has conceived are the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. The abundance of Ruth is a picture of the abundance that we will reap because Jesus rose from the dead. Now I want to show this to you from a slightly different angle. Same thing, different angle, so that it becomes absolutely clear. You remember Job, don't you? Remember Job? You think he struggled with the unseen hand of God? He didn't even know what was going on between God and Satan up in the heavenly realms. And you remember what happened in Job chapter 1, don't you? Job lost all his possessions. He lost 10 children and lost his health. 42 chapters later, this is what we read. 
the Lord blessed the latter half of Job's life more than the former. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. That's the abundance. The first daughter he named Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapok. And the only reason why I put it in there is because now, Catherine, you know. Well, we know why you picked Keziah as a name for your daughter. Although Evie should have been Karen Hapok. Anyway, but we'll leave that for another, another day. Now stay with me here. This is important. Job suffered and he got an abundance back, right? That is not to say that if we suffer in this life that God is going to bless us abundantly in some way in this life. That's not the point. And we know that's not the point because James tells us what this thing means with Job. So take a look. And here's the context. Here's the context, James 5. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the, until the Lord's coming. Right? You got that? The Lord's coming. That's resurrection. Okay? Down there. Right? You with me? Now, look at the example. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we can bless those who have persevered. You have seen or you've heard of Job's perseverance and seeing what the Lord finally brought about. You see it? In other words, the abundant blessings to Job are a picture of the abundant blessings to us when? When Christ returns and we are raised from the dead with Him. The abundant blessings of Job are about the abundant, overflowing, incomprehensible harvest of hope we have in Jesus because He was the first fruit that was raised from the dead. And If we start to understand these things, we'll start to understand why Paul prays this. It's interesting, he doesn't pray that all our sicknesses will go away. He doesn't pray that we're going to be blessed in this life like Job was. No, no. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order to know the what? The hope to which he has called you. And what is that hope? The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Boaz gives Ruth a living hope. She reaps an abundant harvest. Jesus Christ has given us a new living hope. And a hope of an abundant harvest because He was raised from the dead. Which takes us thirdly into Naomi's renewed I hope that you picked up that as Ruth comes home after the day that changed everything, I wonder if you picked up the vibe, the disposition that Naomi's bitterness has started to thaw. Did you pick that up? You got it? It's the way you read it. Her mother-in-law asked her. Now, remember, she's just come in with 20 kilos of stuff, right? Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed is the man that took notice of you. 
Ruth then tells her mother-in-law what's been going on, and the man that she 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 worked with today is 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 Boaz. And and look at the, you feel the change. The Lord bless him. The Lord bless him. He's not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. And and then suddenly the light bulbs go on. That suddenly ah oh, Bo, Boaz is a he's a kinsman redeemer. He's a guardian redeemer. As Naomi sees Ruth's new disposition and she sees the harvest that she's brought home, she recognizes the kindness. She recognizes the one behind the kindness and her bitterness starts to thaw. Her bitterness starts to lift. Her bitterness starts to give way to a renewed hope as she sees all that Boaz is doing for Naomi and Ruth. As she starts to see the unseen hand of God in her circumstances, she starts to renew her strength in hope. As she starts to see God work in the poverty, work in the destitution, her hope is renewed and so is her strength. I mean, we really do get Naomi, don't we? We get her bitterness. She is a believer whose life has been crushed by the circumstances. She is not wrong to lay the ultimate outcome at the Lord's feet. But it is really hard to see God working good in all things, isn't it? So often, it's so hard to see it, sometimes we can't see it at all. But she's starting to see the goodness of God in the circumstances. It's like her hope headlights are starting to lift up. And she's starting to renew her strength in the darkness. So what do you have to do? When you feel like Naomi, when you feel like Mara, we have to fight, we have to wrestle to put our hope in God. Remember the psalmist again. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed? My soul, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. For yet I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. And here's the thing. When you're downcast, when you're weary, when you're disappointed, when you're feeling bitter, when you're feeling crushed by life's circumstances, we've got to put our hope in God. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Number one, we have to remember the divine appointment that God made with each of us. We have to remember how God stepped into our lives. We need to remember how He saved us by divine appointment, how, how He called us to Himself. And here's the thing, and we have to see God's hand working in the darkness. But you can't always see it, can you? 
you cannot always see the goodness of God working in the darkness. So where do you have to look? You have to look at Jesus Christ raised from the dead. That's the place where you always see God working good in the darkness. That's where you see God working in the destitution as the Son of God was sacrificed for our sins and raised from the dead. Here's how the writer in Hebrew put it. He said, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now just stop there for a moment. For the joy set before him. What was the joy set before Christ? What was the joy? It was his resurrection from the, from the dead. And his resurrection from the dead would take him back to the Father. And his joy was also that all those that belong to him will be raised with him and will be with the Father in glory. Let me put it this way. We simply cannot often see God working His unseen hand of goodness in the dark because we can't see it. So often you just can't see it. Sometimes you never see it. So where do you look? You have to look to the one place where it's always seen. In the darkness of the cross, God was working His good by raising Jesus from the dead and all those that belong to Him. It's when we look at the resurrection of Jesus When we fix our eyes on Jesus raised from the dead, our strength is renewed in hope. Here's how Paul puts it. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection. And just in case it hasn't yet dawned on you, the physical, abundant blessing of Boaz to Ruth and Naomi is a picture of the spiritual, abundant blessings of Jesus to us through His resurrection from the dead. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through Jesus Christ from the dead. So as we close, renewing your strength. What do you do? At the end of Hebrews, that's what the author says. Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. We've got feeble arms this morning, you've got weak knees, you're tired, you're discouraged. Renew your strength by looking at the resurrection of Jesus. 
we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And then Paul ends with this in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust this morning that we will continue the journey of renewing our strength in the hope that Jesus has given us. I'm going to ask the gathering team to come up and lead us in our final song.